0: This week on The Reverse Stick, we're joined by Stephen Finlater, the media officer from the Euro Hockey League. There's AHL and don't forget your dad. And welcome to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. My name's John Lee and I'm joined every week by my co-host Matt Allen. Welcome, Matt.
1: Thank you, John. How are we going there, champ?
0: Oh, excellent. Another huge week of hockey.
1: Oh, yeah, it's been another huge week of hockey. The the eyes have been glued to the social media and I've been fortunate enough to get out in the sunshine down at Perth Hockey Stadium and catch a bit of the action from the Australian Hockey League for the men's and women's competition. So, uh, yeah, it's off-season for us, but... It's never off season in the hockey world.
0: And I know something that would have uh, gladdened your heart. There's plenty of live hockey going on if you've got a connection to the internet. There is coming
1: up this weekend. There wasn't too much last weekend. There was a couple of games out of Germany from Uhlen Thank you.
0: We also had the uh, indoor stuff coming out of America. With the Pan American Indoors going on, because oh, the Australian uh, uh, teams it have been playing. It's indoors. coming, yeah.
1: Pan Americans are coming up, uh, um, so that's uh, in Guyana, in Georgetown, in Guyana. Uh, Guyana, is that how you pronounce it? Yes, yeah, Guiana. and uh, that's that's a little bit later on. So there's preparations going on for that at the moment. I know that there's an Australian development side that are over in the US at the moment. Uh, playing in Philadelphia somewhere, possibly. And uh, there's uh, teams being announced on that. I spotted from Trinidad and Tobago, their teams have been announced. So uh, that's great. We talk always about indoor hockey and that being an opportunity, much like some of the Hockey Fives competitions, as an inroad for higher quality hockey for some of those nations with less resources and less numbers with their game.
0: We'll talk about that, though, in a minute. Yeah. Because, first of all, we've got... News. So, yeah, some bits of news
1: going on. Like I said before, I spent a bit of time down at Perth Hockey Stadium this week. The Australian Hockey League is happening for men and women. That's the states and territories from Australia matching up against uh, both the India and the New Zealand development sides, India A, uh, for men and women and development sides for the Kiwis and uh, there's some great competition going on and as we speak the the final four well the top four have been announced so the semi-finals will be taking place um, from tomorrow onwards our, our time uh, day one uh, for the men we'll see Queensland Blades take on the New South Wales Waratahs two of our picks from last week of the four uh, and then the Victoria of Vikings Gafur Gafur against <laughs> India uh, in the other semi-final there, and uh, and then on the Friday
0: you are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Sorry for that slight interruption to the <laughs> transmission there, but what actually happened was we had to edit, edit out a whole. Raft of conversation because, basically, we can't figure out what's going on with the qualification for the AHL finals. Can you lead us on to something more knowledgeable than what yeah, we we're Yeah, no, speaking? it makes
1: perfect sense, John, obviously. Um, so I was just taking you through the upcoming fixtures for the, in inverted commas, semi-finals. Yes. So it appears that there is a, a breakaway league system that happens with the semi-finals because... <laughs> people want to get more hockey in, obviously, so you can't just have a straight knockout with the the top two from each pool playing off against each other in a semi-final situation Then the two winners of those games going through to a final. That would make far too much sense. So the set the of the Australian <laughs> Hockey League semi-finals is that the uh, two... Pool win it. Sorry. Yeah, gee, I've just read it read, read, up about it and I still don't quite understand it. No, I do understand it. I'm just struggling to convey it. We've got, it to we've you got guys. Pool
0: A and Pool B, haven't we? Pool A, Pool B. Okay, now, the top two teams from Pool, pool A. A qualify for the round robin semi final? Semif- yes, yes. Top two teams from Pool B qualify for semi final. Four teams Four in total. Everybody, every,
1: everybody else in the competition. They then have the classification game. Standard qualification, four boys,
0: five versus six, that sort of thing. OK. So we've got our four semifinal teams. Now, top team, it, you play two games in your semifinal round, Robin, against the two teams you didn't play in the round, Robin, prior. In your pool games. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that's exactly right. So Queensland... Uh, they'll, they'll play New South Wales on the Thursday, and then they'll play India on the Friday. Um, and New South Wales will play Victoria on the Friday, uh, and Victoria Vikings. We know you love the Vikings of Victoria. Yep. Uh, they'll play India on the Thursday. That's on the men's side of things. On the women's side of things, the New Zealand development side will, will play the Victoria Vipers, And then the Queensland Scorchers will follow up against the New South Wales Arrows. And then on the Friday, New Zealand will take on the New South Wales Arrows and Queensland will play Victoria. Um, As I said, the other sides will then play off against each other. Now, on our predictions from last week, uh, a glaringly uh, obvious uh, miss from that list there is the WA Thundersticks and the WA Diamonds. Finals games were all, uh, the Saturday and Sunday uh, games will be the the gold medal, the bronze medal, uh, playoff games. Uh, all of that will be televised, streamed live and we'll send those links through uh, thereversestick.net and uh, through our social media channels on Twitter and Facebook forward slash the reverse stick. Um, I, I went down to the stadium a couple of times this week. The first day of competition the back end of last week, it was tipping down with rain. It was absolutely horrendous. But uh, I went down and watched a couple of games, and most notably the WA uh, Thundersticks versus the New South Wales uh, Waratahs. And uh, that was a fantastic game. WA led for most of it, 1-0 up, um, and uh, two sensational goals in the... Final quarter from New South Wales, snatched it, Blake Govers with a rebound into the bottom cor- uh, bottom corner and uh, uh, some individual brilliance from Tom Craig who just uh, weaved his way through a pack. Nobody seemed to want to put a tackle on and suddenly he found himself with the top left of the D and smashed a tomer into the bottom right hand corner some reports said it might have gone through the keeper's legs I think it was a bit too quick and a bit too wide for that uh, I did have a little chat with Matthew Bottarini after the game and uh, congratulated him on the victory and uh, mentioned Tom Craig's goal and he said "Oh, geez, he's, he's so quick and uh, if he spots the slightest movement from a defender, he'll just exploit it, and the 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 body will just uh, just find that gap. And it, yeah, it just showed the quality of the bloke, and uh, he's he's somebody who's certainly worthy of uh, a Kookaburra spot. And the Kookaburras have just named their side for the Oceania Cup coming up next week. Um, Colin Batch did mention that there could be eight or nine spots up for grabs. I think was that right, John?
0: Yeah, eight. Uh, was- was nine, eight or nine? So there's a few, uh,
1: a lot. There's there's five changes uh, from the last time there was an outing from the Cuckaburros at the Hockey World League semis. Um, Inns are Josh Bouts, Ben Craig, Tom Craig's brother who was just mentioned there. Uh, Tristan Clemens, the keeper, Blake Govers, w- also just mentioned, and Eddie Ockenden making a return and uh, stepping out this time around. And this isn't doesn't mean you you drop from the Cuckaburros. There's a real depth in the squad there uh, but out out at this time around uh, Andrew Charter the Keeper, Kieran uh, Rinasalem, Aaron Kleinschmidt Josh Pollard and Tristan White but they'll all be back involved and uh, certainly in for a, a shout for the Hockey World League Finals
0: Well we've talked about the idea before that Australia essentially doesn't have to compete at the Oceania Cup don't have to win it, they've already qualified so they can do what they like with their team and I imagine, as a national coach, you're looking for some sort of blend between team cohesion and getting systems right, as well as getting new players into the squad and getting depth happening because that is what wins your tournaments. Having the depth of players, not necessarily the greatest player.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and they're they're um, they're certainly the depth there with those guys. They're off the back of the Oceania Cup, and you know I think. On that, John, New Zealand are in exactly the same, you know, yep. si- situation there. Um, it's a really good opportunity to, to try out some players at uh, a slightly more competitive level, and they, there's also the International Festival of Hockey coming up in Victoria pretty soon after the Oceania Cup. So there's going to be uh, a lot of international teams. Basically, you know, they're they're all looking to get that that prep in for hockey World League stuff that's uh, that's coming up. There's uh, Japan, Pakistan, yeah. uh, playing in the men. There's uh, Japan in the women, New Zealand men, USA women. Uh, so it's it's all about building, building, building that momentum, isn't it? And trying out players and and you know seeing what works.
0: And with the greatest respect to the only other team in the Oceania tournament, because um, <laughs> all of those players are probably white my behind <laughs> on a hockey field. <laughs> Uh, you know they're not the sort of competition that you're going to get playing in a even a Pan America or an African conference.
1: No, but we we talked before actually about the um, the Hockey Fives competition, which is happening alongside yep. the Oceania which Cup. Which is great. And uh, I did note on social media the other day that I think I mentioned about Vanuatu hockey that we're looking for some um, support to to get over. And here we go. I've just found the post now on Facebook. Uh, 28th of September. It's official. Our Vanuatu men's team is going to Sydney for the Oceania Cup. We'd like to thank Oceania Hockey Federation for their continual support and the generous Moorbank Liverpool District Hockey Club. Uh, Sue Cottrell and her team of volunteers have gone above and beyond to make our trip possible. Watch yeah. out, Sydney. Here we come. Go, Vanuatu, go. And uh, so, special mention there to Moorbank Liverpool District Hockey Club Um over there on the east coast, Um, obviously supporting the Vanuatu side there, and uh, that's really great to see, and another great example of the hockey family.
0: Just uh, before we wind up with the AHL, have you got anything more on the AHL before I tee off?
1: No, just personally, (laughs) I need to get down there again in the next next day or two. Um, Yeah, watch watch the great game between the South Australia girls and uh, the Indian girls that that were down there as well. Uh, I was really surprised. I, I went down at three o'clock on, well, maybe it was Tuesday afternoon, and the crowd was sensational. I, really, I, did, I you know, I, I probably it'd be one of the biggest crowds I'd see down at Perth Hockey Stadium, and that includes things like you know grand finals and, yeah. and you know you know big local stuff that happens, and even some of the international games and you know hockey nines and things. So. Um, It was great, and obviously it was a mix of locals there supporting hockey WA, uh, but also a real mix of um, uh, the of the parents and you know people involved within those teams. But all the under thirteens that were down there, so the 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 Australian under thirteen carnivals going on down here, and it was great to see uh, Anna Flanagan and Jane Claxton and you know some of the. Better known, uh, Cooker Burrows. Uh, sorry, um, Hockey Roos Girls um, signing gear for all the juniors that were there, and and particularly the the states lining up with the states. There was there was a lot of love being shown, and it was really fantastic to see.
0: Did you see Flano in action?
1: I did. Yeah, she she she. Uh, the game I saw. Uh, I think she spent three spells on the naughty bench. <laughs> uh, maybe it was two greens and a and a yellow. Wouldn't have been um, one of those lazy
0: but, fullback type tackles. But, uh, it was a,
1: yeah, it was a it was um, a great result they got in that game as well. So uh, yeah, they they had a draw with Queensland in that game. So it was um, yeah, it, good to see her on the park. I've got to say, I did see her outside the stadium catching up with her mum and dad and with a, a dog in arms, and it was like they were long lost friends. It was uh, it was beautiful to see.
0: I I must. Uh a little bit of side information for people who don't know uh Anna's family is involved with dog rescues and stuff like that
1: oh there you go well there was there was two there and yeah, as i yeah. understand her, her, her parents live over east so I'm imagining they've it's driven over o- sorry
0: her sister is involved with uh ah, right, local, right. one of the local dog well, housing. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm
1: imagining yeah. mum and dad must have driven over from over east to to have the dogs here in wa so yeah that was uh, obviously
0: very touching, very oh, yeah. touching. No, she's a good girl, I know, and I wish her all the best. We'll try and get her on the show sometime in the future. Let's do it. We'll Try and get lots of people on the show sometime in the future. But anyway, um, just quickly, we did mention before about the Indoor World Cup, and I just wanted to say the last round of qualifiers are going on, as you mentioned shortly, the Pan American qualifiers. But uh, the rest of the field has been decided. It's going to be held in Berlin in 2018, at the Max Schmeling Hall. Do you know who Max Schmeling is, Max? Max Schmeling... Max? Uh, Max is the great German boxer. Uh, if you don't know who Max Schmeling is, look him up on the old Wikipedia or Google him. He's a fantastic sportsman and a uh, role model for all sports people, regardless of their sport, in so many ways. A really interesting fella. Partic- nice to think you'd be playing in a hall named after Max Schmeling.
1: Well, well particularly if it's a multi-purpose hall. Which Absolutely. Is used for all things, including indoor hockey.
0: Absolutely. And uh, that's two in a row. That's three now, Mara. <laughs> now, the team's qualifying for the, uh, the ladies' side of the draw is Germany. And there's some really great names here. I'm so glad to be reading out some of these in the context of playing for a World Cup. Germany. You'd expect that to a degree. Russia. The Russians are up there in the indoor stuff. The Czechs are there. Ukraine's there. Um, the Australians are there. Poland. Kazakhstan. That's a great name to see playing for a World Cup in hockey, of, even if it's so-called indoor, but it's great effort. Uh, the Netherlands are there. The Swiss are there. The Belarusians are there. Uh, and the Namibians. I'm uh,
1: very topical at the moment with uh, uh, Mr. Trump. Uh, oh, has he? <laughs> Tied off again? Yeah. But Got we'll, the we'll, thing Yeah, no, we'll move on from the Namibians. But, he, yeah, he's uh, he's doing well to k- connect with the globe. I'm sorry, I'm just blown away that I managed to not make any uh, Borat reference when you mentioned, <laughs> when you mentioned Kazakhstan.
0: <laughs> well, it's good to see both the Kazakhs and the Namibians at a uh, uh, World Cup for Fantastic. indoor hockey. Yeah. It's great effort Super. for them. And all the other countries there, of course, as well. Now on the men's side of things, we've got Germany, the Kazakhs are there again, the Czechs, the Russians, um, the Poles, the South Africans, Australia's there, Swiss, the Belgians, the Austrians, and Iran. They're the, the odd one out, as Namibia would be, as far as I didn't expect them to be there.
1: Yeah, no, there's been plenty of profile on Iranian indoor hockey through the FOH website and various outlets of late.
0: Oh, well done up. to them.
1: And, look, lest we forget, we've got the um, uh, Hero Men's Asia Cup coming up from the 11th of October. That's only six days away from now. Oh, so we've lots lots of talk about that coming up. Uh, all the squads have been announced there. I have uh, been trying to keep up to date with what's going on with the Pakistani Hockey social media things. I did mention last week that uh, I had some uh, struggle getting onto their website and uh, did send them a message saying it was password protected. Rest assured, I went to packhockey.org about five minutes ago and got met with a sign. Error, establishing a database connection. I'm sure they're getting there, though.
0: They are on Facebook. There's been plenty of action on no, it's, Facebook from the Pakistanis, so good luck. I hope they get their web server fixed because the Facebook stuff has been really good.
1: So Asia Cup coming up very soon and lots to to bring to you with that.
0: But time now, I think. We'd better get to our featured interview. You are listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast, and it's time once again for our featured interview. And Matt, our guest today...
1: Yeah, so we've got Stephen Fendlater joining, uh, joining us today on the show, uh, primarily to talk about the EHL with, within his role there as the, the media officer at EHL. Uh, sorry, the Euro Hockey League. And uh, he also does lots of other interesting things with hockey, and we're going to really struggle, I think, to just uh, keep on the subject of EHL because there's lots and lots to talk about. So uh, first, first off, welcome, Stephen, to the show. Cheers.
0: So, Stephen, first off... Uh, Explain to us what your role is with the e h l yes
2: yeah, so basically i 'm the the media officer, so i I look after the the website of the the competition and then yeah basically look to to promotion whichever way we can with the you know all the various different platforms, obviously facebook uh, Twitter social media, and Instagram and things like that, and then uh, also working with all the clubs, we provide them with all the the nice graphics and things like that that you might be seeing uh, from a number of the clubs over the, the past couple of weeks, the European clubs that are taking part in the round one, which gets underway on Friday in Barcelona.
1: Know, certainly, it was very professional and uh, sets a really great image for the, for the sport. For those that don't know, can you give us a little bit of a background about what the EHL is? And, uh, you know, who, yeah, what's, what's, what's the story about the EHL?
2: Yeah, well, the EHL. It started about uh, well, we're into our eleventh season of the Euro Hockey League. It's it's basically meant to be like a, a Champions League, which uh, I'm sure is probably a uh, very well known from soccer terms. Um, that kind of version. So it's 24 clubs from around Europe battling it out for the Alain Donets Trophy. Um, yeah, to be crowned the, the best club in the European competition. So we start off with the round one of the competition, which starts as, starts this weekend in Barcelona. We're going to have 12 clubs there uh, playing in four groups. Of three, the winners of those four groups of three will then go through to the KO16, which is the yeah where where the real business end of the competition gets going. It's going to be 16 teams there uh, battling it out in straight knockout matches. Um, yeah, and then they go through to obviously the KO8, and then uh, that's all going to take place in Rotterdam next Easter. And then we have the final four, which is going to be uh, at Whitson weekend, which is going to be in the late May. Uh, May 26th and 27th, where the the top four side play the semi-finals and the finals. So there's uh, 12 different countries taking part. So we have three teams each from uh, from the uh, from the Netherlands, Germany, and Spain, and uh, and Belgium. And then from the next tier down, we've got two teams from England, Ireland, France, and uh, Russia this year. And then the, uh, the then we've one side each from Wales, Scotland, Poland. And Austria this year. So yeah, uh, all twelve of those countries will be represented at the round one in Barcelona, and that kicks all off on uh,
0: yeah on Friday morning. I take it, Stephen, these teams have qualified through their own home leagues, as finishing through some either some knockout competition or a, a proper you know season league. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So all 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 all, all national champions from the the top twelve um, team of uh, the top twelve nations currently ranked in Europe. They all get a, uh, their, their spot in there. And then afterwards, when it comes to the, the Dutch and the Germans and the Belgium, they, it's based on performance each year. So how each team performs in the EHL determines how many teams they'll get in the next season's competition, so to speak. So like if, you know, you've got the Dutch tend to be uh, far and away the strongest each year. And uh, you know they, they tend to have a lot of sides that reach the the, qualify- or the, the final four of the competition. that means that they 've got three three uh, places in the competition. It changes a bit from year to year as as things go down so currently the Spanish and the English are uh, battling it out for the uh, between uh, sort of fourth and fifth in the ranking list and then that will determine whether they have three or two places in the competition and yeah after the the national champion it 's down to really the um, you know the the respective federations how they decide to divvy up the places. So I mean a lot of a lot of the leagues over here will have playoffs at the end of the season. So if if you win your regular season, you'll probably get one place for that, and then the national champion is going to be the who wins the playoffs as well will probably be the other one if they're the same team then it can be either the runner-up in the final or or some other variation of that some teams have uh, some of them have various different playoffs techniques for that so yeah but pretty much you, you are picking the the elite sides from uh, from all the different countries around Europe
1: I did notice we had a unique situation this year this season with Surbiton turning down their spot
2: Yeah, yeah. That's the I think the first time in the history of the EHL that somebody's actually uh, turned down their spot. Basically, Surbiton is yeah, they're London-based club and they've got quite a few England internationals. But in addition to that, they've also got. yeah, quite a few Welsh and uh, and a couple of Scottish ones, and then with the Commonwealth Games pretty much being, I think it's I think it's two weeks after the EHL takes place, I think they felt that uh, they basically weren't going to be able to use the, the first team squad that they'd be using all the way through the season to be uh, taking part in the EHL, and they didn't feel they'd be competitive, and so they decided to take a step back. As a result of that, it meant that, uh, yeah, there was a, a bit of horse trading between uh, Wimbledon and Holcombe, the, the the next two in line from, from England, so it, Surbiton won the national championships. Wimbledon qualified as the uh, the, the the next placed um, side in the in their uh, in their rankings there. But as a result, they they were given the option whether they wanted to actually go to straight through to the KO sixteen or to remain in round one where their the second seed was. They decided to stay, to remain in round one, and then and so Holcomb, who were the next best placed English side, they uh, they went through, straight through to the KO sixteen uh despite finishing third in the uh, in the um in the English competitions and in, the, in their rankings so yeah a bit of a coup I think for Holcomb well, they'd be happy with that
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. Uh, Stephen <laughs> you mentioned there that uh, the top 12 countries in Europe are, are take teams from the top 12 countries Is, mm. is uh, and I can understand why certainly in the beginning of a competition like this you need to have some sort of boundaries and try and make a solid base to work from but would you consider that in the future you'd be extending that to other nations within Europe of course
2: now that, now that system currently exists, I mean, basically we have at the moment is the, the Euro Hockey Trophy, and then there's also the Euro Hockey Challenge competitions, uh, so there's, I think, uh, at this stage about four or five different uh, regional competitions, or European competitions, four, four clubs all the way down. So basically, uh, you know, how you perform in say the trophy competition, if you finish in the top two in that one, then you can uh, get extra ranking points for your country, which will then You know, uh, give you a better chance of qualifying for the EHL, and then sort of all the way down. I mean, so there's an eight-eight. They're all 18 competitions for the most part, except for the bottom tier, which so the fifth tier in Europe, which will have you know anywhere between five and 10 teams, or something like that, depending on entries. But uh, every country all the way across the Europe gets uh, the potential of having two European club competition uh, club club entrants during the year. And so as a result of that, like there there is there is that kind of movement uh up and down. So I mean you you have Ireland there who've got um uh two two sides in the EHL this year. I think it was only three years ago they didn't have anybody involved. Um uh just basic previous performances hadn't been very strong and uh yeah they had to they pull their way all, all the way up through the, the different divisions um to, to get promoted into the EHL. So yeah, there is that movement up up and down between different countries, yeah. Now
1: do you want to give us a quick rundown on the sides that were involved this uh, this weekend with the opening round in Barcelona?
2: Yeah, cool. Yeah, so I mean, I suppose we will start them with that there. Cardiff and Met are placed in Pool B. Uh, they're in with ullenhorst Mulheim, who are uh, yeah, they were nine-time champions of the old European Cup back in the uh, yeah the eighties and nineties before the introduction of the EHL. So they're uh, yeah, pretty much European club royalty. They're they're back in the competition for the first time in about. Uh, yeah, I think it's three years since they were last involved. Uh, they've got some world level players, like Tilo Stravkowski is the is the captain there. But they are going to miss Benedict Furk and Lucas Winfeder, who are both injured at Mount. Both uh, players who are fairly well healed in the German national team. So they're uh, yeah th- they'll probably be the fancied side in Pool B. Cardiff and Met uh, will be probably the outsiders. Uh, and they they have a decent amount of players from the Welsh national team. But their their problem is that they actually play bizarrely enough, in the English league, a bit like uh, Swansea and Cardiff in, the, in football, playing the Premier League in England, yeah, Cardiff and Met have uh, kind of gone beyond the uh, the Welsh leagues and uh, gone into the English uh, league structure and are actually in the second tier. So they always struggle with uh, com- getting competitive matches leading into the EHL. So that so they're, they're going to have a, a bit of a fight against. Them. They're playing against Dinamo Elektrostal, is the other team in that group, and they're the the Russian runners-up who uh, just finished up their Russian championships last weekend. Yes, so I spotted that. that yeah. Yeah uh, So I suppose The the most exciting group Looks like Pool A You've got uh, Blumenthal Who are Pretty much uh, European royalty I think most uh, neutrals Probably will have come across them At some stage um, Yeah They're uh, two-time champions Of the EHL When Jamie Dwyer And Tone De Noir Used to be uh, In tandem together A few years back Jamie Dwyer uh, I think you mentioned On your show A few times A couple of weeks ago uh, Was a uh, He's back in, in, uh, in Blumenthal. Whether he plays or not, we don't actually know at this stage. He only actually landed in, uh, in, in Holland about two or three days ago with his family. So whether he's, uh, fully up to speed with Blumenthal at this stage and whether he's going to get a spot in the, in squad for this week, um, remains to be seen. there's oh, oh, a game oh. of so, hockey going. He's playing yeah.
1: He's always <laughs> worth having just for
2: that five minute cameo. <laughs> so here we go. And um, the, 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 the other big, the big team in that pool is actually Wimbledon. Uh, from as we mentioned earlier, Wimbledon are uh, yeah pretty strong outfit. They reached the final four of this competition uh, last season. Uh, they got uh, yeah, and uh, they were the first English side to do that since 2011. Since then, they've added uh, some really, really big players like uh, Ian Lewers, um and Ali Brogdon. Uh, who are yeah, two fairly well heeled players that are gonna give them an extra bit of pace in in, in attack with Brogden and then uh, quite a lot of composure at the back for uh for, for from uh the G B squad from the last couple of Olympics from Ian Lewis there. Um the third team in that group is S V Arminen who are uh from Austria and uh record Austrian champions and uh yeah I think they're uh the outsiders but their their player coach very interesting guy called Darius Rakwalski he's a, a Polish guy who's uh He's been there three or four years and he he really, really loves this competition and, uh, th- about two or three years ago, he was, uh, he, he helped the side get through to the KO16 for the first time, uh, the first time an Austrian side had ever done that, um, at this very same venue when they, uh, stunned the, uh, athletic truss, home crowd, uh, by, uh, managing to pick off a draw there and then beating, uh, the Scottish side Kelburn. And, uh, whilst he realises his side is probably going to be fairly outgunned at this point, um, yeah, I think he uh, looks at it as a as a good learning opportunity, and he fancies a, a bit of a shock in this one. Um, Pool C is the Belgian third-place uh, side Racing Club de Brussels, who, uh yeah, a few, few fairly good names in there. Tom Bone, Cedric Charlier, Conor Hart, lining out for them, so they're a fairly strong side. They'll be the favourites. They've got Bambridge, the the Irish, Irish Senior Cup champions, uh, as as the... Next side in there, who did actually beat uh, Belgian opposition to top spot in their group last year, uh, Royal Leopold. But I think Royal Racing Club de Brussels are probably a bit stronger this time around. And Bambridge have weakened with a couple of their players being signed up in the wake of their good European run by uh, clubs in Germany and England. And then uh, the, uh, WKS Grunewald Poznan close out Pool C. They're uh, the one of only two clubs who played in every single... Uh, season of the EHL. They're the Polish champions. They've, they've won it, I think, 20 out of the last 21 seasons. They're the military clubs. So they're, uh, yeah, uh, I think they struggle a bit domestically for, uh, for top level games. And so, uh, the EHL is one of the things they really target each year. And finally is Pool D, which, uh, the home side, well, the de facto home side, Club Igara. They're, they're not playing at their home stadium. They're based about half an hour up the road in Terrassa but they're, uh, that's Club Igara, there, led by Pau Quemada from the Spanish national side, who's who's the key man there. They've also re-signed uh, Vincent uh, Ruiz, who's uh, returned after a couple of years in Holland uh, from Hachey. So that's a, a big signing for them. Uh, the other two teams in there are from Scotland, who've uh, topped the table in the Scottish League, I think, for the last 13 seasons or something like that, on and off. And then uh, Saint-Germain from France, who are the French runners-up. So that's the uh, the lineup for this weekend.
1: So, with regard to you talk about the, the the fan excitement and the involvement of fans, for somebody like SV mean and, and they, if they were playing against Bloemendaal, what kind of numbers would that look like on on home soil if it was a, a game in Holland? Four thousand, five thousand. What 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 are the sort of the crowds you'd expect to see?
2: Ko sixteen last year in 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 Aranya Road in the, in Eindhoven, we had uh, yeah it was sellout crowds of. Uh, I think we had 5,000 to 5,500 for each of the four days of the, the competition. In previous years, when Blumenthal hosted uh, the KO16 about three years ago, they had 7,500. It sold out for, for the last three of six days of competition that we had. We actually had combined the KO16 and the final four together. But, yeah, you, you had up to 7,500 there. So was, I think over the course of last uh, season, we had 30,000 uh, people coming to, to various different games at the various different rounds and things like that. So, yeah, there's, there's a... You know, a, de- a decent crowd experience for for these ones. It's going to be on a, a small, a much smaller scale in Barcelona this weekend. But uh, yeah, uh, for, for the for the latter stages, the KO16 final four, you'll definitely uh, definitely bring uh, a, a good good few thousand.
0: Can you see your model being internationalised? The European Hockey League becoming an international style competition? Do you think hockey as a sport can do that, or do we have too many boundaries to us? Yeah, you know, international the whole is it too big a sport to try and do that or does soccer actually show us the way?
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, I suppose you, you're looking at the, the way the different countries are set up. I mean, you know, in Australia, you've got a, you've got a club system there. And, but I mean, in the, in some of the other big centers like India and Pakistan, that, you know, a lot of the time it isn't, it isn't club based. It's, it's based on, uh, you know, the, the, the teams would be run by, you know, sort of corporations or sponsors and things like that. A lot of the banks would run teams and things like that. Yeah. And then it would be based on, you know, your, your state system. And things like that, and then again, similar similarly in Malaysia. So it's it's difficult to kind of see how how that they, they, would kind of tally in with them. Um, you know, I mean, the, the like in India, there's so many sort of different centres which uh, where the where the hockey is big. You know, so sort of Bhubaneswar, which is going to host the World Cup, is pretty much out in the limb on the on the east side of the country in Odisha, with not much around it. So, you know, it's it's it, it'd be hard to see how it. How that How that develops there, but I mean you know you could certainly see it in in various different places like sort of Argentina and Australia, and then New Zealand being able to 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 form you know different things but ag- again from from new zealand i see they they recently had their now well, not completely okay with it, but I see that they had their the forward league was on again last couple of weeks yeah, 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 and, and again it, finals. It, and and then so they're all going that that's on a sort of a regionalized basis rather than the club basis so yeah, it, I mean, I'd love to see it. I think I do think it can, uh, you know, stoke the passions by by going on the on the on the club side of things and focusing on that. But so sort of Europe is probably the best place to do it because it's you know so many small countries with, uh, yeah, with with, with with full hockey leagues available to them at a reasonably kind of competitive level. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm, I'd love to see it, but I'm not too sure if it, uh, it it's feasible in the, in some of the other hockey centres. Yeah.
0: You are listening to the Reverse Dick, the Global Hockey Podcast. John Lee and Matt Allen here with you. And we're chatting to Stephen Finlater. He is the media officer from the Euro Hockey League. And we've been chatting about what's been going on with Euro Hockey. But um, when we continue this particular chat, we'll be talking more about what's been going on a little bit in Ireland and some of his other thoughts on the game of hockey. And in next week's feature interview, we'll be catching up with Pablo Mendoza from ahockeyworld.net.
1: I remember when I was a kid, I would love to go and play with his, like uh, the, the the coaching board, you know, like they had magnets, and that was, I'd love to play with that, and he was like, no, don't play with that, you're going to lose the magnets, you know. <laughs> um, so <laughs> coaching for me has has been very natural.
0: You can check them out. It's a great website, ahockeyworld.net, and we'll be talking to Pablo about that website and more things hockey, as we usually do here on the Reverse Stick. But for now, let's get back to our interview with Stephen Finlater. Yeah, I hadn't forgotten about the umpires, Stephen. Just quietly, I'll, I'll get back to them now. The <laughs> Irish umpires. Now, the, it's very hard for us to tell where we are in Australia, what's going on. The first we heard about the situation was when the umpires said we're going on strike. So, can you give us some sort of background to, you know, what led to this action and and you know what's the outcome of it? essentially
2: okay um well i suppose the history is um yeah uh, dating back uh maybe four or five years at this point the the irish hockey umpires association that kind of flagged with the with hockey ireland the governing body in, 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 for the sport um but uh they, they felt they had a ticking time bomb in terms of their um you know the age profile of the uh, the officials in the country so basically, they, they, they had, you know, I think that the numbers in there dwindled to, they've got 120 umpires on their, on their official lists, which for the, for the volume of, uh, matches that there are at, at, at a reasonably high level, uh, which require decent umpires is, uh, is, is quite small. And then, uh, there's, and then the fact that there's only under 40, there's only about 30, uh, umpires of that. So only about a quarter of it. So the age profile was a, was a big worry for them um and so basically, over the last couple of years um the umpires have uh yeah they've, they've been putting together sort of development plans and things like that, but they felt that they they didn't that these that their concerns were completely ignored um and so as a result of that uh it came to a head um about uh, in the last week of august about two or three weeks before the e y hockey league which is the national league over here uh was due to start and uh yeah they they uh when it came into the week before the season was due to start, uh, then uh, with with no movement whatsoever, they uh, they decided that they were going to withdraw their their appointments. So they they weren't going to nominate umpires to go towards matches. As a result of that, um, Hockey Ireland was left in the, the the situation. They tried to see if they could source umpires through other other routes, but uh, this wasn't satisfactory for the for the clubs. If if they were going to have a and. An, and non-accredited umpire, uh, running a, an elite level match, that this, this wasn't a, a, you know, a viable situation, as you can well imagine. And so, uh, the, the first two series of matches, then, um, uh, were cancelled. So the, 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 crux of the, the resolution that's happened, which allowed the first series of matches to happen there the other day was, was over expenses, first of all. So, um, yeah, initially the the umpires were, were would get if they were doing national level games they'd get a, a mileage rate of twenty euro cent per kilometer, which is a uh, uh, pretty much next to nothing, and then uh, and then no other kind of match fee or anything like that. So they felt that there was a that this wasn't a yeah a viable ration, was kind of indicative of the. Um, of the, that the, they weren't getting too much respect from Hockey Ireland. Um, so the resolution has seen that rate rise up to about 37 euro cent per kilometre, but also with a match fee on top of it about 30 euro. So this obviously encourages the umpires to, uh, to, to, yeah. you know, to join up with the Irish Hockey Umpires Association. Previously you would get full expenses and, uh, and also much, much greater supports if you stayed in the regional umpiring uh, bodies like the Leinster Hockey Umpire, which runs the Leagues in Dublin and and the, the kind of surrounding areas, and so the, it, it, they were finding that a lot of umpires it was it was a lot more attractive just to do local level games rather than doing the international or doing the national level ones. So that's the uh, resolution at the moment. There there is still further talks about how they can implement a, a four year development plan to to rejuvenate the, uh, the 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 umpiring stock of numbers and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that that'll probably be a lot more long term. But at least we've got uh, some hockey back on the on the fields. So I guess
1: we'll just move on on our, our Irish roundup, which is yeah. good to hear. <laughs> um, it, the uh, European Hockey Federation had their uh, meeting over the past couple of days, or last week, and there's been a resolve with regard to the under-21 situation and the Spanish sides getting Nova virus. Can you fit us in on that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was actually there... I suppose as, as full disclosure, I was the EHF uh, media officer at, at, at that event over in, uh, in, in Valencia at the time. So it, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fairly interesting day all around uh, when, uh, when we were actually staying in the same hotel as the, as the Spanish under-21s with uh, yeah, ambulances coming in, in and out through the night and structuring uh, people off to the hospital. So it was, it was fairly dramatic and it, it meant that uh, the, the final day's worth of action was, uh, was all cancelled. So, and notably a lucky the, escape. Yeah, so uh, like with the in, in terms of the in terms of the way the tournament went, uh, the the TD awarded the the men's bronze medal to to Germany and then uh, Spain to the fourth place. But it was obviously a lot more interesting on the women's side of the competition, where Spain ended up in the relegation pool and uh, they needed uh, needed a, a point from their final game or to avoid a, a narrow defeat against against Ireland to uh, to avoid relegation. Whereas the Irish needed to win. To, uh, to, to, to ensure that they stay up in the, in the competition. So it was a, it was a fairly, uh, fraught situation about how the outcome of this was going to be. And, uh, the tournament director sent this one to the EHF, the European Hockey Federation's executive board to make a, to make a ruling on it. And, uh, you know, in, in sort of normal circumstances and the EHF rules, if a team doesn't turn up to play in a game, then, uh, there'll, there'll be a, a 5-0 defeat will be, uh, recorded against them. But, uh, they felt that this was a, uh, Sort of a force majeure that uh, it was completely, you know, it wasn't a team not turning up just for the, you know, to because they didn't want to play. I mean, the, the Spanish said, "Look, we we will play if if you know forced to, but we only have nine fit players and things like that." So um I think that they, they took the, the sensible option not to uh, not to force them to come to a, a ground with a, an infectious disease, an infectious <laughs> virus, and. Uh, yeah so so uh and uh yeah, as a result, what they've decided to do from the EHF board's level is that they're going to extend the um the size of the competition for two thousand and nineteen, so they they've decided there's there's no going going to be no relegation, so for both Ireland and Spain, they were both you know in the mix for relegation that neither of them are going to go down a level for the the two thousand and nineteen edition of this competition and uh now it remains to be seen whether they're going to do a nine team competition or maybe they're going to go to a ten team competition. They did say in the release that came out earlier this morning that, um, that they're not sure whether it's going to be a six or eight team competition in the division below. So that gives them a bit of scope to actually move two teams, two extra teams up from the, the second tier of the competition, make a ten team competition. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's all pr- pretty, it's pretty important stuff as well just in the, in the grander scheme of things that uh, the 2019 competition is going to be a, a, a qualifier for the Junior World Cup in 2020 so as a result of that for both, both teams but, uh, yeah, you know we're pretty nervous about uh, how, how the outcome of this but I think it's gonna kind to of a, a happy enough outcome all round so far
1: Now Stephen we're um, going to let you go in just a moment just one more question and this is uh, this is going to come from John and it's with regard to points or goals
0: Ah oh, look Stephen, you know, you guys there at the EHL do so much right. I love the, the television <laughs> coverage and, and the competition. You do got a lot of good things. But this point system, uh, it's, it, it's just got my blood boiling a little bit. I've got to say that because we don't have points in hockey. We have goals. Well, you do have
1: points, but you've got to win a game first.
0: Well, it just strikes me that this is a this is a change that goes to the heart of the game. It's not just a, an interpretation, and it's something that I find really, really uncomfortable. Can you sell it to me?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's well. First of all, I mean, uh, we we'll go we we'll go the politicians answer and talk about uh, something else first, but uh, <laughs> just the. The EHL's history is is kind of one very very much based on innovation. You know that that uh, since they've inter- since we introduced competition in 2007, it was, it's been the kind of the breeding ground for the self-pass, which has been obviously one of the the major highlights in, in the game, taking the ball over shoulder height, and uh, you know countdown clocks and various different things like that, and uh, breaking the game into quarters. So I mean, you know, it 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 is it is a breeding ground for new ideas and things, and so the the competition does really like to. To try out these things and see if they can improve for the for the for the better of the game and uh, yeah I mean the idea here is is very much to to try and promote um yeah free flowing attacking hockey and then maybe encouraging the uh, sides to go more for more from play rather than going for corners so that's the 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 basis behind it and uh, yeah we 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 hope that it it, uh, yeah that 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 it does produce more and more field goals. Yeah, I,
0: I, we won't go into it now because I'm sure I'll just bore our listeners with me repeating myself, but yeah, I'm not, not happy with it. As I said, you guys do have done a lot of good things for the game and some of those innovations are fantastic.
1: Yeah, I just I look at corners and I see less and less corners being converted and less and less drag flicks being uh, of any use to sides. as... Um, mm-hmm. Some of the big boys in drag flicking in Australia just don't don't seem to be getting any at all at the moment.
2: Yeah, but mean, and and maybe that you know, I mean, it's uh, from from what I see at the moment is is you know taking off the EHL hat is is that uh, I think that corner defenses are probably getting more, uh, what would you say, more uh, fearless and things like that. That uh, the sort of some of the running patterns are are going more and more direct down the line and uh and and kind of closing off big areas of the goal yeah, by taking yeah. balls on on the knee and on the shins and on in the in the chest and things like that and uh sort of so so it's kind of elements like that that uh you know which are which are probably at, at the heart of you know maybe why why the the corner uh scoring is uh is um it, it has gone down in that perspective i mean I'd be interested to see the the statistics when we when we come to the end of this uh this this trial season this year just to see. You know whether it does have an impact in terms of you know on this small sample size. Whether it does have an impact in terms of teams going for more field goals, or whether uh, whether the corner remains as as important to everybody as as, as possible.
1: So how how do you assess <laughs> that though? Do, is it just just purely on conversion, right?
2: yeah well i mean I, I assume there's i mean there's there's a large number of things you can do i mean you, it's, you know in, in in terms of you can look at the, say the the conversion rate or you can look at the the volume of corners per game again it's it's going to be a small sample size i mean we have you know we have twelve matches this weekend and then we've got another uh Another 16 there at Easter, and then uh, another uh, another four uh, at the for the final four. So I mean, it is going to be a sample size of 32 games. But whether you see, you know, a reduction in corner counts, um, and then sort of maybe the nature of the, the corners that are given, you know, there's a, all these kind of things will, will play into it. And then just in general, you know, the uh, whether the key goals in each game. You know, the, the ones which define it in the last couple, you know, from, from win, whether it turns from a winning position to a losing position based on the amount of, uh, corner goals, uh, as opposed to, uh, field goals. So, I mean, the, the yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's a, uh, probably some better statisticians and stuff like that who can come up with a better way of, uh, judging this, but, uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll wait and see how that. Please I've on. got we'll, the statistics
0: we'll, we'll for you, Stephen. No, <laughs> just <laughs> no. it <We'll> would be zero. <laughs> if we're talking
1: statistics, statistics. I think. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we've got we've got the, the uh, hockey India League data there as well, so it'd be interesting to yeah to to have a look at it. As you know, we're not fans, but we're we're willing to be sold on a good idea
0: That's if it. it's
1: good for the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. not like the bully. Yeah. They should bring that back too, Stephen. That's and <laughs> and the roll in from the sideline. I'm thinking hand stops. Yeah, hand stop, offsides. <laughs> long corner. Bring the long <laughs> corner
1: back. And what's the what's the what's the problem with chucking an undercut from one D to the other? <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Look, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. So if people want to catch up with your your work on Irish hockey, they can find out hookhockey.com dot com That's it, yeah. And uh, you take care of all the e h l stuff, where where do we find out more about the Euro Hockey so. League?
2: So, ehlhockey.tv, and, uh, yeah, from there you'll get the, 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 the link to the, the live stream, which uh, will be going up on Friday, Friday. Yeah. Now, give you
0: give the uh, the Hook a big plug plug there, Stobey, because it's an excellent website, what the, the, the Hockey Club's doing, and uh, the blog's fantastic.
2: Yeah, well, then, uh, oh, geez, hookhockey.com is going to be my baby, basically, just out of a... Uh, you know, it's it, it's something I do run in my in my spare time, but it it does take up quite a bit of time. Um, we we cover yeah every level of uh, of hockey in Ireland from the EY National League through the the underage into pros all the way down to the school stuff, and uh, yeah, we try to be as comprehensive as possible, featuring every uh, every team going. And uh, yeah, one of the things we're indebted to is our is our level of photography as well. We've got a, a brilliant okay. photographer Adrian Bohm, who who uh, basically goes to absolutely everything and it's it, you know he, he does it all just for the love of the game so you know it's it's like probably a lot of a lot of different media things around the world in hockey it's uh yeah it, people just do you know people with passion um make, making the best of it and uh, yeah i think it's uh hopefully serves the the irish hockey public and maybe a little bit beyond
1: and where do we get the three rock rovers third eleven reports from
2: <laughs> you might get a quick Twitter update from them there on TRRHC, but, uh, yeah, no, we're, the, the, as a club, we're going great at the moment. Uh, it's, uh, we won the EY Champions Trophy last year, which is the, the kind of end of season playoffs, and the club is actually going to the EHL this year, which is going to kind of test my neutrality quite a bit. A
0: lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: I don't think, when no, it comes, but, uh, when it comes to your club, you cut, there's no room for neutrality.
2: <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, I mean, I mean, the 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 team, the first team, have put together is is kind of they they had a great team in two thousand and fourteen, and from the embers of that, about ten of those players moved on, uh, emigrating, various different things, and then uh, yeah, so the team at the moment, the, the the I think it's thirteen out of the or fourteen out of last year's eight squad of eighteen at the finals had all come through the youth section of the club. They had an average age of twenty. It's uh, yeah, the, the the club coach is is formerly the under sixteen coach and uh, he's brought through all those guys through to the first team so it's, it's a great community kind of local thing that uh, that they put together rather than in previous years we might have brought in a few too many players whereas this time it's all very much homegrown so it's it's really great to see them having success
0: that's what hockey's all about isn't it that sort of that club thing yeah.
2: oh yeah definitely nothing like it
1: Stephen thanks for your time today hopefully we can catch up uh, later on in the season and hear some more great stuff from the EHL
2: Yes, thanks very
0: much. And you're listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. I'm John Lee. I'm joined by Matt Allen. And that was Stephen Finlater, the media officer from the Euro Hockey League. And Matt, uh, a lot going on there with Euro Hockey, isn't there? The coverage on the internet has been fantastic.
1: Yeah, I look, I I really love the the quality of uh, of image and delivery and the slickness of what they're doing. It's uh, like Stephen mentioned that there's obviously a lot of stuff being generated by them centrally, which is great if they can get that material out to support clubs. But yeah. I equally like when clubs take the initiative themselves. We'll just briefly talk a bit about streaming side of things. And I noticed uh, it got sent through to me that. Uh, Beeston Hockey Club in the UK will be streaming live again for their their home game in the the Premier League in the UK and uh, it's great to see and hats off to Beeston Uh, there'll be a few more games around about this weekend uh, with the Australian Hockey League streaming from Perth and obviously the EHL streaming as well so you'll be able to catch all those streams through our social media on Twitter and Facebook forward slash The Reverse Stick
0: Yep, it's all there, any time uh, A bit of editorialising now Matt During the week I got a flyer through the Facebook page we posting from a hockey club And I'm not going to mention who that hockey club is Because it's why I'm bringing it up Who it was isn't important Because probably all of us would write exactly the same thing they put on this flyer and it was uh, so. It's not fair for me to pick on them and make it out as something that's to do with the ho- this particular hockey club. But it was promoting a game coming up in a in a major league in their particular area, and uh, had the date and the time, uh, the venue. But listed next to the time, five p.m., seven p.m., whatever that time happened to be, was the word pushback, and it really irritated me. It, it just got to me, Matt. Well, well, why? Because pushback is just a horrible, yucky phrase. It should be bully. That's what we start hockey games with. It
1: should be a bully. Uh, well, you're confusing two things. Your, your love of wanting to bring back the bully, which I don't necessarily disagree with, is one thing. But confusing that with be, or being angry about a term which is used in a game out of the fact that something that's the only thing we could do with the ball... It's two separate things.
0: No, but we could we could uh, eliminate one of them by bringing back the bully. Well, we we, yes, well we would. But
1: okay, so at the moment what we've got is a term pushback, which isn't necessarily a pushback anymore because you can just turn on your heels and go. It sounds like what?
0: It sounds anticlimactic. Oh, I think, something, you know, it's I think it sounds quite, you know, re-
1: revolutionary and, and um, you <laughs> know, that's <laughs> what we should all be doing against the man, you know, we've got to break the system,
0: push back. Oh, the push back, the hockey yeah. revolution, you think? Yeah. See, I, I grew up in the culture, as you very well know, of Australian rules football, and they have this great term for the start of a game, it's bounce down, because that's what they do. Oh, and, look, and that, it's, look, that's it's a, look, a great. That's a unique it. identifier of the that, sport. Yeah, that's,
1: that, that's, that's something which is iconic towards it. And I guess maybe a tip off in basketball is the same, same. thing. Same thing. And the bully in, in hockey, hockey is, is the same. And, and
0: I don't want to make it about, that's why I didn't want to talk about this particular hockey club, who they are. Good luck with their event. And everybody, uh, lots of hockey clubs would use that term of in course. describing well, I just, how the game starts. But, but
1: I'll also say the game kicks off at whatever time. It doesn't mean that we kick off because otherwise the umpire's blowing his whistle straight away.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. See, you're the sort. That's the sort of logic I like in our discussions. <laughs> and now it's time, Matt, to check the latest from the social media circles. what have you got for us?
1: Well, I did get a uh, cheeky little message, which was sent through, obviously after the podcast was listened to earlier on in the week. Um, which uh, well gave me licence to unveil um, our mystery commenter last week but then I have realised afterwards there's no real great unveil uh, <laughs> because it's not that personal <laughs> name that's used on the Twitter account so, um, I did mention last week about the um, gent that had sent through a message with regard to a ball and knee height or arse height So he told me he wasn't that concerned about retaining any anonymity. So uh, here's the big unveil. It's Boss F Hockey, also known as Boss Field Hockey on Twitter, Uh, did message through and said, I wouldn't have minded being named on the podcast. Keep it to yourself, but Boss F Hockey isn't my real name. So uh, it's there is good to have still a boss joining us yeah now. well there's still a bit of an air of mystery there, maybe <laughs> maybe you and I and the listeners will one day find out John but they, um, boss f hockey also did send through the uh the info on beast and, and uh an infographic that they were sending around about the time the game was available to view around the world, so well done to them, so yeah, as I said before, we'll be sending you through all those links for the Beeston game, any games in Spain, any games in the u s in Germany. E.H.L. from Barcelona and A.H.L. from Perth all coming up over the weekend. Uh, you, know, you might you might even get a chance to fit a
0: game of hockey in in between. And don't forget you can catch all the extended interviews with our guests at our website, Um Today's interview, we chopped about half of it out to fit it in. So the, the whole discussion we had with Stephen is available from our website, thereversestick.net. And so if you are active on the social media, please do like and
1: subscribe to our Facebook and to our Twitter page. If you're on iTunes, please do give us a like on there, give us a five-star rating. Um, A little bit of a review would be very much appreciated because it all helps. Uh, We could still do with a few in some countries just to raise us up to a, (laughs) a level that we can see that there is a rating for it. We know you're listening out there. Um, so yeah please please do get behind us and support us that way and as always tell a mate if you're on your way to a game put it put it on the stereo on the way there and uh, make your friends listen to the podcast
0: <laughs> hey there's always one thing you shouldn't forget though isn't there mate what's that well you know special days you shouldn't forget about. oh
1: jeez yeah <laughs> of course uh, as mentioned at the top of the show I uh, before racing down here to, to see John and record tonight's show I managed to get a brief 10 minutes on Skype with my old fella my old man, my dad um, love him dearly we're separated uh, by the globe and uh, but I still love to catch up with him and uh, we talk a lot about the hockey family and I wouldn't play hockey and love hockey so much and love clubs as much as I do uh, if it wasn't for him and it wasn't for him introducing me uh, when he played the game as a as a very young young kid uh, to the hockey environment and the lifelong friendships that can be built with uh, people of all ages when you when you share our game and uh, so I thank you uh, Morris uh, love you to bits and uh, yeah thanks for bringing me to hockey
0: good to see you Matt next, you next week